Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to Coding with the Kiwis. I mean, uh, Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. And thanks for everyone for joining us because we have a special guest today. Last, last minute, late change. And no, it's not Santa Claus. It's not Ben Forder. It's Kai Koenig. Welcome, Kai. Thanks, Gavin. Sorry to disappoint everyone who thought it was Ben Forder. <laughs> and what do you mean like with Modernizer Die? You told me we're doing coding with the Kiwis. Well, a little different today. Uh, we got to get this news thing done. So, uh... But yeah, it looks oh, like okay. everyone's pretty happy to, to see you. But uh, So we're yeah. doing a news anchor thing. Cool, cool, cool. Yep. I know you listened to the podcast, but for the ones you got up early enough to actually join us, so that was kind of nice of you. Yeah, I think I'd never watched the actual live stream. I get it just as a podcast in my podcast player on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So apparently there's video, there's backgrounds, there's links and chat and everything else. And uh, so thanks for joining me. So for those who don't know, uh, Kai Koenigs is a CFML community member. He's a conference speaker and he's a software architect at Vintigo Creative in New Zealand. So um, we're happy to have you. And I know you got a little announcement you want to make, but we'll have, wait a little bit longer before we do that. So uh, first of all, let's just thank our sponsors. So thanks Auto Solutions, the makers of Coldbox, Commandbox, Forgebox, Testbox, and all your other favorite boxes out there. And there's a few ways they can say thanks back to Autos, right, Kai? Yes. I mean, for a start, you could actually look at the orders videos on YouTube and like and subscribe them. Or you could participate in the STARS, um, reach the STARS program, STAR and fork the autos repos, the um, all the code box projects, the command box extensions, everything that people are essentially doing at orders for the community. Then obviously you should subscribe to the podcast or the podcast because there are there's at least one other podcast series, even though it doesn't come as regularly as Modernize or Die. And you can sign up for a paid or free account on CFCasts, which is an excellent site if you want to get CFML-focused upskilling and training. Um, I haven't have a paid account there. I can actually tell you from a customer's point of view. And there is a Box Live store where you can buy Box swag. And also there are various orders books. Um, one that I also bought is 102 Coldbox HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks um, that is on Gumroad, kind of self-published, and it's a really nice book. Very cool. Oh, and then, of course, the other thing, which you are a Patreon, is our Patreon supporters. So right now we have 43 Patreons providing 100% funding for this podcast, um, and, of course, they also uh, are helping us towards the fully funding of hosting Forgebox.io and all the S3 bills that we have, and we're about 38, actually, I think 39% with the latest Patreon we had today. So uh, Tia, I don't have a last name, but Tia is a US Patreon, and they just signed up, I think, yesterday. And so they're the newest Patreon. So now we're at 39% of the way to funding the Forgebox IO stuff. So that is really cool. cool. I think like when you look at the last, I don't know, two, three years, your Patreons have increased in number and funding quite a bit, haven't they? Yeah, they have. It's uh, it's kind of nice. We've got, you know, all the different levels. So we got a lot of box supporters, just everyone chipping at 10 bucks a pop. And that's great. It all helps, you know, and then we've got the the bronze members up at $50 and they get the some of the perks like the the Forgebox Pro account and the CFCast subscription, which is great. And then we've got some gold as well. And then, you know, there's other levels available. And you guys can find out more 
at patreon.com slash autosolutions for all the different tiers and all the perks too, which we'll talk about more at the end of the show when we talk about our Patreons a little bit more. But uh, we also have um, a special Patreon-sponsored job announcement too. So tomorrow's guides, uh, they're based in the UK and they're a fast-paced leader in the UK care sector. They're catering for care seekers across three areas, care homes, nurseries, and home care. And they've been often called the trip advisor of the home care sector. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Like their product team um, is a team of about or over 20 individuals working across the UK remotely. And they want to in- expand um, their offering and grow their team and their company, basically. And they do work with um, Adobe called Fusion 2021, Node.js and React in Azure Cloud. Um, and use MS SQL and MongoDB databases for that. Uh, that's really interesting. I, you know, I don't know a lot of people who actually work in Azure Cloud, and I was always wondering how how that pans out for folks. So they are looking for like a senior confusion developer or multiple senior confusion developers and automation testers, um, and they offer also training path and learning Node.js along the way. Um, so they have a whole bunch of perks from the company. Um, there's a bonus scheme, uh, quarterly night outs with the whole company. So I assume they meet somewhere in the UK. Um, and pension contribution, which is probably very UK specific, I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So um, the all, all the roles are available. Um, I'm going to post a link in the chat right now for you guys. But they are looking for, as Kai said, a senior CF developer. So this is UK only, remote, permanent. Uh, and circa 60,000 pounds. Um, and then the job application is there. The require minimum three is experience of confusion, database design, normalization, and ability to write and understand complex queries using MS SQL 2019, familiarity with Git, and a flexible skill set covering a wide range of development. And they also have an automation tester too, right? Yeah, that is also UK only, remote and permanent, and the salary range is around 40K pounds. Um, minimum three years experience with automated testing, uh, experience with tools like Selenium, and I assume similar platforms, and experience with API testing and API test tools such as Postman, Fiddler, or the numerous other tools that work in this kind of ecosystem. Yep. So it sounds pretty great. They got some great benefits too. So that £4,000 per annum discretionary company bonus scheme, 25 days annual leave plus bank holidays, the 6% um, employer pension contribution, access to perks and everything, uh, long service awards, cycle to work scheme, company team laid out. So a lot of cool stuff going on there. So sounds like... So here's a random question for you, Gavin. Yep. Why are they called bank holidays? Do you know? I mean, I seriously don't. It's kind of like... Well, basically, because we the only people that get them off are usually banks. You know, we used to call them banks oh, and schools. A bank, but a bank holiday is a public holiday, right? Well, no, not always. So, like in in the US, for example, we have a lot of uh, federal holidays, and then some some state holidays. So, a lot of banks are closed for state holidays and federal holidays, but a lot oh. of other businesses aren't because their employer has to pay for it. So, usually, a bank holiday is basically like a a more generous federal holiday where. Um, you know, like okay. like schools, usually schools and banks have more days off than most companies. Like a lot of times, a bank holiday, I might work, but the people at the bank wouldn't, or the county jobs, the government jobs wouldn't. So, yeah, so it's oh, like government, I, bank, I, I, schools. I always know. thought bank holidays were like just public holidays and it would have, would, was a fancy 
British name for them. <laughs> I think <laughs> if you work at a good company, then you usually get bank holidays off. But usually smaller companies that can't afford to pay them, they don't usually give bank holidays. They just give like the main ones. Like like over uh, like in New Zealand, Boxing Day and Christmas Day, right? Usually those two days off. But a lot of smaller companies, you manage to get Christmas. And like in the U.S., sometimes you get Thanksgiving Day off, but not the day after. You'll get Christmas oh, yeah, off, okay. but not Fair Christmas enough. Eve. Stuff like that. And so. I mean, yeah, let's not forget the weird, like, regional or, you know, animal show holidays we have in New Zealand and Australia. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Royal thing. Gold Coast show day. <laughs> day off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So lots of interesting things there. That's my understanding. But Tomorrow's Guides, it looks like a, a good company doing cool things with Cold Fusion. And it looks like they're wanting to expand it already big team so uh they're yeah. supporting the podcast as a patreon and uh, we want to give us a little special highlight there so we'll tell you a little bit more in the job section but thanks for sponsoring but with that being said uh let's jump into how news and announcements so kai you're here for a special announcement i don't know if we should make them wait the entire time or not but you don't get up every week to tune into the podcast so kai what do you have for us so yeah thanks a lot for having me here and i know we arranged this like really last minute last hour pretty much <laughs> more or less um i thought like given that we've been taunting everyone with like you know cancellations and postponements and dangling carrots in front of people since like the start of the pandemic more or less both um michi nat from germany and i felt it would be really cool to give the podcast an exclusive like a breaking news kind of thing so without further ado CF Camp will finally be back in June 2023. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of really amazing and exciting, actually, you know, thinking about the possibility and the fact that it's going to happen. We have a date. It will be in the week of the 19th to 23rd of June. And the main conference will be the 22nd and 23rd. That's going to be a Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday. And as in the past, there will be additional pre-events probably on the Tuesday and Wednesday, I guess. Um, I would, for example, kind of expect the orders team running some training workshops um, before the conference, as you've done in the past. Uh, I heard that the preside CMS team is looking to, at doing some sort of a mini preside con day uh, on one of the days before the for the main conference as well. And we'll see what else might be happening. I mean, I don't really know at this stage yet, but there will be stuff before the main conference. Um, the main conference itself will have two tracks, again, most likely. Um, same venue will be again at the Marriott Munich Airport, which I want to stress is not at the airport, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's in a lovely little old town called Freising which has like a massive church and like lots of old houses. It's kind of like for, you know, for overseas visitors, it's actually a really nice little place, essentially. Sure. So Michi has booked the hotel. Um, so that's as official as we can get at this stage. If you were to go to cfcamp.org now, you'll find there is like a safer date page um, listing the date, essentially. Um, and there will be more coming soon. What we're currently working on are the sponsorship documents. And we've started to think about a call for papers and what we would want to from sessions and topic point of views, essentially. But pretty much it will be an open and transparent process again. We're going to use a tool like paper call or sessionize like in the, in the past. And we'll try to best to increase diversity and help to get like a lot of underrepresented groups in tech out there to do talks and to, you know, give people kind of a stage to come out of the shadow a little bit as well. 
Um, at this stage, I would expect the call for papers to open in early January, because I'm not really sure if we'll manage to squeeze it onto this side of the end of the year holidays, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, potentially, potentially not, but in early Jan is kind of a safe bet to go with. So again, June 22nd and 23rd main conference uh, in Freising in Germany, and you should save the, the date. Very, very cool. So uh, was it worth the wait, guys? Was it worth the excitement? Uh, I think it was pretty cool. So. Yeah. yeah, so and I, I mean, booted Eric last minute, but uh, it's okay, because I told him he was going to like the announcement. <laughs> yeah, he probably wants to come back to, to Freising, right? He's been there at least once, I think, or twice. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, I think he's, he's maybe been once. I don't know. All I know is that I was trying to go, and he wanted to go back, and Brad always loves going, and so we might have to have a little fight in the orders team to see who gets in. But I guess uh, since you guys do the anonymous uh, paper... You know, papers, etc. We'll have to see if who gets picked, and we'll have to go from there. Yep. So. Um, I'm pretty sure if you submit cool topics, the, that will not be the the, the problem essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be great. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to it, and uh, as Eric says, the conference is in English, so that's good. So it helps <laughs> for a lot of us. But uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. been on a, a top list for a lot of people, and I'm excited. Yeah. That the, the vast majority of the talks is in English. That's what I should say. I think in the past, we had one year with one German session. And that was actually a session from the um, the Bavarian State Police on cybercrime. Oh, that's and right. They, I remember that. Yeah, they prefer to do it in German. Um, so, I mean, you know, but let's say 95% of the talks and the sessions and the conference will be in English. <laughs> that's kind of a safe bet. To, yeah. to make, I think. For sure. No, it's, it's always been a great conference. And, you know, we're sad about the last couple of years being off. And that's why every week we remind you that we haven't heard anything about 2023 yet. But uh, this week we can change that. So, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a great, great to have you guys doing it. And thanks for coming on the podcast to, you know, give us this little special special announcement because I've been yeah, harassing be guy cool. for I'm, weeks. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to actually trying to do this and i mean if we learned one thing over the last few years is like expect the unexpected right like i mean yeah. who who knows what happens but right now we're kind of on track and as committed as we can yeah for sure like i said we can't can't control everything but you know sounds like yeah i mean he's booked the hotel so like you said it's official exactly. it's gonna get so Yep. Very cool. So cfcamp.org, keep an eye out. And of course, uh, Kai will give us updates and we'll try and keep you guys up to date as we go through it. Correct. Yes. Okay. So a few people might have thought that the big announcement might have been something else because uh, I heard another big announcement this week that the Adobe Cold Fusion Fortuna Alpha has been opened up. So if you guys are in the Adobe channel in the Slack, CFML Slack, uh, they actually have the alpha testing group for Adobe Cold Fusion 2023, codename Fortuna, is available. You can sign up there and there's a, a link. So I will send this link through if you guys are interested. I think they only have about 200 spots or something. There is a limit on it. Um, and so if you guys can, if you want to do it, jump in early. But remember, it is alpha, so things will break. That's part of the process. They need reporting so they can, you know, get things fixed up. But they've been using it for weeks now, um, you know, trying to get prepped for this. So uh, I hopefully. Would, I would really love everyone who participates in that alpha to provide very clear feedback on features you like and you don't like in this new version of Adobe Cold Fusion. 
But is it too late at this point, though? That's that's what I always worry about when when you know you first hear about something and it's in the alpha. It's like they're not going to undo it, but hopefully they can make it a little better. So. Yeah, so that is a concern, obviously, because if features have been chosen already, um, that is too late then, more or less. I fully agree. I'm just very cautious because in the past, sometimes Adobe did certain features against better advice from the community, and it not always worked out great for them. Yeah, and well, it's nice curious to avoid how, these kind of things. Yeah, and I'm curious how this MVC framework that they talked about is going to go, and this uh, CLI, and uh, all the other things that they were talking about. But I am there's a lot of stuff that I'm I am generally con- you know curious about and looking forward to. But there's a few things that everyone's like, no, just say no. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, right? Like particularly about MVC framework, for example, when you look at like the wider tech sector and like other you know, platforms, let's say, there is, there seems to be coming and going trends of what platforms provide. And I'm, I know that from, from Android a little bit and Android from the Android SDKs and Android development approaches. And you can see how in wave, sometimes Google is pushing for a certain architecture, for example, now everyone should do MVVM or, you know, this or that. And now we provide like these components to force you all to build your apps in a certain way. And then two or three years later, it's like, oh yeah, nah, just do whatever you want again. So I can see a lot of benefit of like a platform provider giving people a strong guidance and how they think apps should be built. But I wish it was, you know, a consistent approach and not just go with, I don't know, the fanciness of the day of the year, what's currently yeah and what people like yep i mean i I definitely think that it's it's one of those things where we know that they don't have resources to do everything as well as they would like and if they had unlimited resources things would be different but because they're limited you know we want them to focus more on stuff that we can't do we you know and the community can do frameworks they can do you know javascript front ends pieces for things we can do a lot of that but we can't do the hard low-level java integrations that we've been waiting for you know, so yep. that's that's my thing is like if you do all that, go to town with the rest of it. But, you know, you're not doing those things that we've had bugs in the system for eight years because we need to be able to, you know, handle Java interfaces better so we can implement more Java libraries. We're built on top of the JVM, yeah. but there's a lot of things missing that means we can't use the JVM effectively. So, yeah, totally with you. So yeah. that, that's my thing. Like I said, obviously, you know, Autos has an MVC, CF Wheels is out there, Framework One does the job. We have three pretty good ones. So, you know, by trying to reinvent the wheel. And if it's going to, they're going to release it and then wait eight years to update it like they did maps, then it's not going to be that effective anyway. So, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. Unlimited resources, different story. But considering that, you know, the track record, you know, help us with the stuff that the engine needs to do. And then, then we're fine with everything else. But anyway, I understand. So, yeah, I keep saying that. But related topic, uh, the bug tracker went mad this week, and this is probably why, right, Kai? <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know why that was until I read your your note in the in the show notes. So when Adobe released the alpha, they moved all the tickets to beta, and that apparently triggered a lot of emails. And some people, <laughs> cough, cough, Adam, camera, cough. <laughs> He's in the chat too. <laughs> Got apparently millions of email because pretty much every bug got moved from alpha to beta and 
I mean, let's face it, Adam is, you know, putting a lot of bugs in there because he finds these bugs in Adobe Confusion. So apparently also all the links to the issues were broken. And um, yeah, that might be something with the internal management of bug tracking tools. Uh, we don't really know. I got a few last week and I was wondering why that is. And at least I know why that was now. <laughs> yeah, and I, I got a few too. But yeah, I know some people were like getting hundreds and hundreds and then Adam's like, what about me? <laughs> so yeah, so I'm, I'm surprised he didn't uh, blow, up, blow up his email tool with that. But anyway, but yeah, that, that was scary because everybody thought, well, the links are broken there. Maybe they kind of deleted them or something, but there is an internal Jira um, setup. And so they have Jira on the inside and then they have this external sort of uh, front facing piece, which just like looks into it. So I think that's a problem. Um, oh, apparently Dennis Brinkle got a, his mailbox filled up too. But yeah, so that's usually <laughs> the issue is that they have stuff internally and they kind of like posted out to the public version and obviously they're moving so much everything was out of sync and so yeah, and at least there's a reason for it it didn't just go crazy uh it went yeah. crazy because they were releasing the alpha so now all the new tickets would be for the beta so that's good I, news. I really wonder why that is though you know why do they have two separate bug trackers because you can run jira just fine as a public and private setup right i mean as for but, example autos proofs every day you know like you have a public jira that is there is a licensing differences though or i don't know if there's something with like that the number of people that can access it i mean i know that lucy does jira too so i don't know i'm not sure why they did it because they did it and this is yeah this this comes up every once in a while yeah um but yeah i know that they're using jira under the hood so i think brad's talked to the engineers about that so but yeah, it's a little weird sometimes. And the the thing is too that they're they'll update stuff on their side and they'll you'll see an email about it, but then you won't see the results on the front end. It looks like they haven't touched it in years, but it's just because the external version isn't updated. Yeah, I don't know. Correct. That's frustrating. Communication is important. So anyway. Speaking about communication, you have something to communicate. Yes. into the box right yeah into the box 2023 call for speakers is now open so for those of you uh who have been before and i know kai you've spoken there as well into the box 2023 call for speakers now available and you can submit your talks today so the interesting thing about that is it's kind of not too far away from a time point of view before cf camp so who well, knows maybe i month. could part of, make it part of my trip to europe or something yeah that's a good idea uh yeah it's so basically we're about a month before the before cf camp but may 17th to 19th we are moving it back into uh our sort of spring schedule so better weather in the woodlands and it'll be our 10 year anniversary but submit your talks today and uh, we're looking for as, as kai said a lot of different speakers a lot of different topics you know and we're trying to get people in there and we love having the community come and speak too. It doesn't have to be an order show. We'd like to have the community contribute to it. So I think last, the last one we had about 40% of the talks were from the community, which is great. I mean, the, trust me though, like the orders team has grown a lot lately. So we are uh, a huge number. <laughs> and so uh, a lot of the people who have spoken before as community members are now orders members. So it's, that does make it a little bit tough, but yeah, we almost have half the, the sessions as community sessions and we love it whenever people can come in and speak. And so when I think you tie in the pre-conference, it was about 50% of the speakers were not from Mortis. So that was really good. And uh, we are going to do the, the pre-conference again this year. So if Kai, if you are not able to make it and you're traveling, maybe we can do the pre-conference again, because 
obviously we'd yes. like to have you there and have you there in person presenting in person but the pre-conference makes it available for those who can't travel for whatever reason but they can still be a part of the conference and uh and you did this year and what do you think of the pre-conference setup i think it was quite good actually um the fact that it was distributed over multiple days made it nice i think for people to put the talks into their normal day and not having to take like you know a big chunk of their time out of the day to attend like an event so that's that that format of like you know deaf week with two three talks a day at different times is generally nice but obviously like having a big chunk on one day has its benefits as well uh, i think the mix you had this year worked quite well um and yeah i mean if you if you want to do that again i think that's totally worthwhile worthwhile doing particularly because I mean, even next year, travel might potentially still be difficult for, you know, certain countries or certain people. And, you know, not everyone likes to do trips still in 2023, most likely. So giving people the option is always cool. It's nice. Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, especially if a lot of the Europeans were traveling to to our conference previously and now they're like, oh, we'll just wait for CF Camp. So we'll have to meet some of them there, but maybe they can do the pre-conference as well. So how many, how many Europeans did you traditionally have it into the box? I mean, like over the last I don't know, 10 years, it's not a huge chunk. So it's maybe 10, 15% of the audience, right? Yeah, there's not a huge amount. You know, a lot of times we'll get the speakers because obviously we help speakers with, you know, hotels and, and stuff like that. And so um, that's definitely a positive. So, you know, we've had Mark Drew, we've had, you know, yourself, although you're not European, well, originally, but not anymore. Not but, you know, <laughs> you know, Bill, you know, but yeah. But yeah, we do get some travelers, and so it's it's good to see. And so, but yeah, not not a huge amount, but it'd be good to see more people, um, you know, at CF Camp, and hopefully some of those who who have to pick between you know CF Summit and and into the box now can go to CF Camp too, because like we saw Matt Gifford at uh, CF Summit, you know, he's living in uh, Cyprus these days, and so you know he'd probably be at CF Camp, which be harder for him to to make it to ITB. But but yeah, we're yeah, just excited. So. The whole the whole October date wasn't really working that well for CF Camp either anymore, and that's you know why we're kind of sort of halfway glad that we now have a chance to go back to where CF Camp used to be like earlier in the year, because it's pretty much avoids this whole Oktoberfest craziness in in the Munich area. Um, when you know like hotels are super expensive, apartments and other places to stay are super expensive. People are traveling like crazy all over the place it just it's just easier to do it far away from oktoberfest even though it might might make it a bit less attractive for for folks who come over from somewhere else and they can't put oktoberfest into their itinerary yeah but i mean the thing is it's like for me as my wife's a teacher now now traveling during summertime is actually you know an option for us i mean obviously summertime travel is more expensive for us people usually but it means that we don't have to worry about you know taking the kids out of school if we want to take them with us and do some sightseeing it you know around the conference or whatnot so i, I think it's a good thing um and i'm excited like i said i already told the wife it's like a pencil of sin so we have to make sure her passport's up to date and uh yeah it'll be, be yep. fun Okay. Uh, we also had a, a little announcement last week. Um, did you see this about the open SSL vulnerabilities that Pete mentioned? Yeah, I saw that. I mean, even outside of like CFML, essentially, because I look after a lot of Linux and Unix based machines. 
And it's kind of quite a big one, actually, that OpenSSL issue. I think it had a, a quite high impact score of like nine points something or something like that again. So Pete wrote a blog post because several people were asking him, you know, are Lucy or is Adobe ECF um, affected by this? And so he outlined everything that he could collate in terms of information in that blog post on um, PeteFrytech.com. And I think the too long don't read kind of thing is like, as far as we know, there is no issue with um, either Lucy or Adobe CF. And obviously, you know, it, your mileage might vary depending on your other environment. Like if you're running a Linux server, you probably want to look into that at some point. Yeah. So that, that's what the, the short of it is, right? And we did cover it a little bit more detail last week. Uh, in case you missed it. Another point, we also have the, in case you missed it, the Coldbox Masterclass is completely free until the end of the year. So that's uh, one of our packages up on CFCast, and it's a pretty popular one. So hopefully you guys can get in there and uh, check that one out as well. So um, that is, I think that's the one that Nolan did, um, and it's quite a long one, quite a lot of content in it. Um, and... Let me just pull it up. Actually, I'll share screen for those watching. So we have 44 videos. So they're a lot more bite-sized, uh, but almost seven hours of content total. So tons and tons of stuff. Uh, I highly recommend doing that. If you're using Coldbox already, or if you're wanting to get into it, that's a good package. And as Nolan put in his tweet, no excuse not to learn Coldbox now. That's uh, free until the end of the year. Yeah, I so. fully agree. And I've recommended that to pretty much everyone in my team who haven't worked with Coldbox yet. I think it's totally worth watching. I mean, even if you're, to be honest, like even if you've been using Coldbox for like a few years, you'll probably find something in there that you didn't know, realistically. Yep. And I mean, I'm using, I've been using Coldbox for quite a while now, but I literally never built a website with Coldbox. All I'm doing is API development with that. And like, you know, how do I even do a view? It's like magic <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different than APIs for sure. Yeah. So yeah, very cool. And then uh, we also had a little announcement about Command Box vNext as well. Yeah, that is really interesting. So um, there is a ticket in the Command Box Jira, and there has been a change or new support for SSL certs in PFX format, and that's kind of nice because. PFX is an SSL cert standard where you have only one file that contains both public and private key, and you don't need to dangle around with those two separate files anymore in like different formats and converting them back and forth. So if you have a PFX cert, we can just throw it into the next version of Command Box, and that will just work. Yep. So I know Brad's working hard to get the next version out. Uh, we'll let you know, of course, as soon as we have that one out. Is that is that next version called Command Box six or is that five point seven? Do you know? I think that'd be the probably the five seven. Um, okay. Yeah, I believe that's what his next is. It's not a major uh, until it has to be. Okay, so next up we have some new releases and updates. So first up we have a spreadsheet CFML version three point seven point zero release, and so Julian has released that with a new option to read visible format instead of raw values, which is really neat. Um, James Moberg was on Twitter asking about this, and so when you're reading from the spreadsheet normally, you get you know the raw values, but sometimes you want to actually have the date formatted a certain way, and if the spreadsheet already does that. This will allow you to read that value instead. So that's actually pretty cool. 
uh, obviously getting the raw value is useful a number of times as well. So now you have the option. So, and then of course, uh, they did find an issue. James Moberg already filed an issue with uh, WCF2021 about it. And he's posted three bugs in 30 days, according to his tweet. So um, it's pretty interesting, but yeah, there are lots of little things going on there, but 3.7 is released. And again, if you haven't used that, it's a great library for working with spreadsheets on Lucy and Adobe. So we also cool. have a Raygun 4 CFML 1.5.0 release, right? Yeah. So I just put that out there yesterday, totally unrelated to this podcast thing today. Sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> so for people who don't know what Raygun is, it's a crash reporting and um, user experience quality monitoring service. Basically, you know, like um, a place where you can lock your crashes analyze them, get notifications into all sorts of other places, other channels like Slack and like SMS and whatever, and then action these um, these issues. And the Raygun for CFML is a basically data provider to that that I um, write on open source basis because I use it a lot. So I added a few new features like you can um, send uh, issues asynchronously now, which wow. weirdly enough, it didn't have, I never needed so far. Um, because I was always wrapping my whole call into from the application into a thread, but that is now supported on the provider level. And I also support a grouping key now. So that is kind of interesting because sometimes you get like issues that are not exactly the same, but very similar. Mm. So, you know, like let's say you run into a timeout, your request expires after 30 seconds or something like that. And the error message is like, this request expired after 30,427 milliseconds. And it doesn't really matter to me if, you know, it was 30,427 or 428 milliseconds. That's the same <laughs> issue, realistically. Yeah. So with a grouping key, you can just throw them into the same bucket, essentially, now. Okay. Um, and there are a whole bunch of other things coming soon. I'm, in parallel, I'm working on a 2.0 release that makes it a proper... Uh, codebox module and adds a whole lot of other things to it. And this is really just like a bug fix and feature release because I needed stuff now without doing the 2.0 release. <laughs> gotcha. Very cool. Okay. Well, next up, we also have the S3 SDK um, Bleeding Edge. It now supports encrypting files at rest. So Brad's been working a lot for a couple of clients on the S3 SDK, and he's now got the supporting files at rest in, in S3 to be encrypted. Uh, you can let uh, AWS manage the keys, or you can provide your own uh, AES-256 key. Remember, the S3 SDK does not require Coldbox to use it. And uh, we're, you also want to say thanks to the oldest clients who sponsor features like this one. And so this is uh, in the BE right now. It hasn't been released um, properly just yet. Uh, we're just doing some final testing with those couple of clients. Um, but the tests do pass. He did fight, write the tests. And if you look at the tweet, you'll see them. But yeah, so that's uh, that's done. Um, and so it was pretty interesting with the, the key stuff, though. It's like if you don't provide a key, S3 will give you one for it. But that means anyone who has the keys to get to the files automatically have the encryption keys. And like, so mm. I guess this just stops people on the system who can access the drive in general, just wandering around looking at files or searching the files. But yeah, it's it, kind of it can also be a compliance requirement, you know, yeah. it, irrespectively how realistic the threat is, you know, some compliance certificates like I don't know PCI, for example, might require these kind of things. 
Yeah, and that's the reason that we actually did it for one of our clients is they wanted to have all the S3 files, you know, encrypted at rest. But we don't want to have to use the AWS system, so we just use the default one that S3 does. But it's interesting, anyone who has the keys can automatically decrypt it. So it's like, who are you stopping it from if it's not someone who has your keys? I'm like, yeah. but yeah. Um, we also had uh, another future spec, um, or feature spec, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about futures, but um, so Luis has been working hard on uh, some new stuff with Coldbox 7 and Wirebox 7. So now he's released the spec for Wirebox Lazy Properties. So if you guys have seen uh, Lazy Loaded, basically, um, this will allow you to basically have a property constructed once when requested. So Lazy Loaded, um, and you can handle it with just a little metadata saying lazy. That way it won't actually do it until you need it. Um, so there's a little spec here. He has built it out. I believe it's available on the BE already. Um, but if you guys got some, some thoughts, go share them with Luis regarding that. But we're trying to, you know, release them. I like the sort of format. Instead of just releasing something to the, the public with no sort of feedback mechanism, it's kind of nice to send that out there. and That way people can jump in. I think Adam said he jumped into the... Um, the previous ones, because last week we talked about the Wirebox delegates. So in case you missed that, Wirebox now has delegates available. Some other languages have that. Now, do you guys use that in Kotlin or anything? I know you do some Kotlin work. Do you guys use delegates at all? I use delegates in Android apps. That's kind of a common thing um, okay. as a pattern, essentially. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I I thought I've seen in a couple of different uh, Java apps, especially. But yeah. but yeah, so I mean, I I like the whole idea that that Louis started there with that Notion site and like um doing almost these request for proposals or request for comments, whatever you would call these documents. Yeah, it's it's a really good way of collating community feedback, I think. Yep. And like I said, I mentioned delegates the other day because Adam Cameron had a blog post that was talking about delegates. I thought he was doing some Kotlin stuff. That's why I was like, oh, I think Luis is doing some of that stuff. You should go check it out. And so I sent him the link and so now I can have a read through and see what he thinks and make sure we did it right. Yeah. So There's some other stuff they might have missed. So uh, Lucy's released another stable. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's a minor bug fix release. Um, it's called 539.166. There is a um, blog post that Gavin is putting into the show notes into the, the chat here. But essentially, it fixes a few things that caused issues under heavy load when it comes to concurrency. And that we, we saw that in the, I think, last stable, which was the dot 160, if I'm not wrong. That's so. when that popped up. And we ran actually into a few of these problems that were fixed in a snapshot 162. And I think they probably found and fixed a few more things and released that as 166, I guess. Yep. So that was released last week. So good to see them still releasing those bugs fixes as they continue to work on Lucy 6. I know that they're working hard on that one, but it's nice to see they're keeping up with the, the 5 series. So. We, yeah, there is even a five three ten, right? Yeah, there is one, and and I'm not sure if that was just you know if that's like another set of features they're adding, or if that's just more bug fixes sort of collecting, or I know mean, usually that's a minor release, so 
that's a, a you know a patch in most people's world, but in Lucy the patches are minor. Uh, the third number is actually a minor, so yeah. it's like platform and then major and then minor. So five three ten would be yeah the next minor release, but I'm not sure what's in that one. So, but yeah, so we'll have to keep an eye on that one. We'll let you know as soon as we know more about that. And then uh, the in next, case the next, I was going to say the next one is interesting, like. Restoring the CF admin log viewer. Oh, that's kind yeah. of weird. What happened there? <laughs> so basically, there's a security issue um, where viewing the files because the viewing the files could basically could have the cross-site scripting type stuff. So basically, if someone has something bad, it goes into your log files and you open it in the HTML viewer, and now your HTML code is possibly you know showing uh, bad stuff. And so they remove the ability to click on the file to view them. So you can change settings and do other things in the, in the uh -huh. admin, but you couldn't view it. So Charlie wrote a blog post just to let people, you know, if they really need to get access to those files, because that's their only way to access them. Because some people don't have access to the servers. They don't have access to the, you know, the logs unless they're looking through mm -hmm. the admin. And so he basically got a way for you to, to change your folder structure back to the old files just so you can do that. So he took up a snapshot of his. Um, but Mark Takata mentioned uh, on Facebook where someone was asking about this and I pointed them to the, the problem. Um, he said that they are working on the fix. So hopefully the, an update soon will have, you know, a sanitized view of the log file. And that's the key. So mm -hmm. they just removed it temporarily. It will be coming back, but it's that's why they did it. So if you really, really, really need it, Charlie uh, can give you a basic copy of the old log viewer folder so you can copy the code back in so that way you can view your files on there but do it at your own risk this is done for a reason uh, and hopefully we'll have that you know yeah, fixed in the new enough. version soon so yeah i mean they could have announced that they were on you know working on a fix instead of just taking it out and everybody freak out <laughs> but anyway we assumed as much Okay, so uh, next up we have webinars, meetups, and workshops. And thanks to Kai, he's actually one of the people that recommended it to me. We have an Autis event calendar for Google. So now you can just add this uh, the Autis events into your Google calendar so you have an option to, to see our events as we update stuff. So thank you for recommending that and testing it because trying to find the right link in the right <laughs> settings to be able to have somebody look, it was pretty weird. <laughs> That was tricky to figure that out. Yeah, I agree. So, <laughs> and then but, when you start changing events in your own calendar and it doesn't get, you know, replicated in the other person's calendar, all of a sudden it's like, oh god, this is unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, but we got it working. So the I'll share this in the the chat for those watching, and then uh, in the show notes, obviously. Yep. So yep. another thing um, from an events point of view. Actually, tonight, apparently, at 7 p.m. Eastern time, which, if I'm not totally wrong, is something like seven, eight hours from now, the Mid-Michigan CFAC um, is having a meetup, um, and Nick Kwiatkowski is presenting on APIs and Cold Fusion. So he's going to show how he builds REST endpoints using uh, Adobe Cold Fusion and Lucy REST endpoint connectors. So I think he's using the native functionality built into the engines and also is doing a deep dive into Postman and how that works and how you can use it to build and test APIs. That is going to be online. There is a URL that we also put into the show notes and apparently there will be a recording um, and they put that on their YouTube channel, with it, which is actually at CFML. Huh, that's yeah. a nice channel I name. I think uh, since YouTube allowed us to choose your own usernames now, you can actually put your usernames in there. And I, yeah. 
I haven't done it yet. I probably should, but yeah. So that's cool. So yeah, they've been releasing our videos and that is a, uh, a team's link that I sent through. So you can do the team's browser to, to watch that. Ah, okay. Just so you guys know. You should be able to do that in your browser. You don't even need the apps for teams, right? Yeah, exactly. There's an option like, how do you want to open this link? So, yep. And then uh, we have a, another one of the meetings tonight from uh, it's the CIFA TikTok, which is the Indian-based uh, meetup group. And so theirs is at midnight Eastern. So that's uh, pretty late for most of you guys, but 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Indian Standard Time, November 16th. So I think that's tonight at midnight or 10 p.m. for us Pacific Coasts be basically dinner time for you um yeah, pretty much <laughs> but uh mark takata is giving his advanced pdf workflows with adobe cold fusion and ddx and so that i think is the same one he did at the pre-conference for itb but uh, if you guys want to check that out that's up on there's a link up on eventbrite i'll share that with you there and we did want to let you know um that the Autist webinar for this week, um, due to some illness and deadlines and with the upcoming holiday and all these other workshops and things that we're going to be discussing here shortly, we decided to postpone Daniel Garcia's Autist webinar until January. So we're pushing it back a couple of months. Uh, so sorry about that, but there's tons of other great content and you'll find out more about it when we start talking about CF Online Summit because they've got some sessions this week too. And there's also the CF Hawaii meetup, uh, managing all your confusion server with command box with Right wood. I wonder who that person is. Does <laughs> yeah. he have anything to do with command box even? Maybe. <sighs> so he's going to talk about like um, command box introduction, you know, how it's a standalone, nice native tool for Windows, Mac, and Linux that gives you a CLI, tool interaction, package management, all these things that we like from just being command box, right? Like run your servers in command box and basically live in the command box shell more or less from like development over testing and deployment to production. I mean, we run a lot of production code on command box and that just works fine, essentially. So that's going to be a, an interesting meetup, I think. Um, it's on meetup.com and I think they use this Adobe screen sharing tool. I forgot the name. Adobe um, Connect, I believe, yeah. Adobe Connect, thank you. Yes, they use Adobe Connect, if I remember correctly, for their meetups. Um, that is on Friday this week at 2 p.m. And 2 p.m., I would assume that is Hawaii time. I think it's Pacific time because it's 5 p.m. Uh, I'll look and see. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't put the p.m. in there. It is, it's 2 p.m. at Pacific time. Somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's 2 p.m. Pacific time. I think it's like noon um, Hawaiian time. So yeah, yeah, so that would be 11 a.m. for me. On yep. the day before, so, not the day after. Ah, whatever. Yeah, now, it's <laughs> Saturday yeah, for it's you. Good. <laughs> yeah. If you are new to Command Box and if you're interested in Command Box, you should maybe consider joining that session. Yeah, I mean, Command Box is a bunch of cool different pieces of it, and this is just all about the servers. So, yeah, uh, definitely a good session. And then we have the Autos Office Hours coming up um, on December 2nd. So um, basically this is where Autosians can be on a Zoom call and answer whatever questions you guys have. So jump in and, and sort of see how it goes. The first session was really nice. We just, you know, just chit chat a little bit, talked about different things. Um, we looked at some some issues with um, moving to like view three and the webpack and the changes needed in Elixir and everything. And, um, and so we're going to be having some, some more people there. So Daniel Garcia will be the host and he'll be having uh, a few orders people there. So just a, a way to get in there and just ask some questions. Maybe you want to dive into something, um, you know, so 
let us know if you've got any questions in advance. We'll try and get the right people there. But the link for that uh, is available there for you guys to register in the chat. And then in the same series of like Friday sessions, there is the Auto Software Craftsmanship Book Club, um, only for Patreons. And that happens on the second Friday of each month. Um, and we're going through Clean Code, a handbook of agile software craftsmanship by Robert Martin. And the mm. focus is on chapter two, I think, for that next session that you're running, right? Like naming conventions. Yep. As I, as I always like to say, one of the two hottest things in programming, along with cache invalidation and off by one errors. <laughs> but, what uh, is wrong with help 27 as your variable name or your function name? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I think a lot of books, you know, you can sort of fly by in a couple of, uh, you know, just a couple of hours when you're doing sort of like the book club setup. But the clean code one, there's so much actionable information in there. And like the naming conventions one, I think is a, is a big one. Because obviously naming is, is pretty hard. It's pretty important. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, some some guiding rules uh, in this in this chapter. And the Autos uh, coding conventions has a lot of them already built in. But I think there's some good ones here that we're probably missing. And like one of them was, you know, the variable names, uh, the, the longer the use of it, the more important it is to be, you know, valuable, like using I for a loop. If it's a three line loop, using I is fine, you know, but if it's a 50 yeah. line loop with it's a bunch a of stuff in it, yeah. local scope, essentially. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really matter for that case. Yeah. So the, the length of the variable should match the scope of its use type yeah. rules and stuff like that. Right. So there's a lot of really interesting things in that chapter. And so we'll be meeting discussing that. And then the, the previous week, uh, we actually did uh, do the first Patreon club, uh, sorry, software craftsmanship book club for the Patreons last week, November 11th. And that was uh, a pretty good one. We had, you know, a smaller group because of Veterans Day, a lot of people were off uh, supporting the veterans, but we did have quite a few people in there. And we talked about the introductions and the chapter one and sort of talked about what is clean code and, and everything. And there's a CFcast recording up for that. So if you guys want to jump in, you can go watch the CFcast recording. You do not have to be a Patreon to watch the recording, but we're trying to make it as a Patreon perk to be involved with the conversation. So get in there and give us your feedback, uh, your tips and everything. And that was really good. We had uh, Brett DeLine was in there and uh, David uh, was in there as well. We had uh, Grant from Autist team. We had a few different people. It's gotten Andrew Davis as well. So it was really good. Uh, um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. I had a lot of fun and I think it's really good. And, uh, you know, I think it's a good book to, to read. Has it, have you read that one, Kai? I've read parts of it, um, but it's years ago, <laughs> essentially. It's like, um, I have the book in my bookshelf, um, but yeah, not recently gone through it. Yeah. And then one of the things is too, a lot of people who do read it from CFML sometimes have trouble, you know, translating in their mind, the Java stuff to CFML. So we'll be discussing that and working through it until translating it. And we'll be looking at maybe some of the things that don't quite make as much sense in a CFML world compared to Java. We've obviously some differences in the languages, but I think it'd yeah. be pretty good. And if you are a Patreon, you can jump into the community forum where we'll be discussing it, where we'll share the links to jump into the Zoom call too. So that's in there. And if you're not a Patreon, think about signing up. Correct. And then we have a few other events. Um, one is a Confusion Security training that Pete Freitag um, is running. That happens in December, on Tuesday, December the 13th, and Wednesday, December 14th, over two three-hour session each. Um, 
during daytime Eastern Standard Time. And I can highly recommend that class. Um, one of my clients is booking Pete regularly, uh, like every second year or so for an updated security refreshing refreshment course kind of uh, for, for the developers. And okay. I've been sitting in, um, in one or two of them. And it's really interesting, you know, to look at like your CFML code from a security point of view. It's kind of, you know, gives you a bit of a different, different angle to think about problems and look at problems. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Pete stuff always scares you in a good way. And uh, I really highly recommend it. I've actually taken uh, a version of this workshop over the, I think it was a few years ago at CF Summit when he offered as a pre-conference one. And it's very, very good. Um, yeah. It's $9.99 a student or $8.99 for early discount. Um, but it's it's good that it's broken up over two days. And he gives you like the VM with a whole software and you sort of work out what, you know, what could be done to this code, how to do it, and then how to stop you from doing it. So it kind of teaches you how to be a little bad person and then how to stop that bad person. So I think it's pretty neat. Uh, obviously, building on top of the OWASPs, you know, uh, top 10 for, for different things. And so very, very good. So highly recommend then, Yeah, Then there are some Adobe workshops and webinars. Um, they sometimes run like full day workshops, but the ones that we have here, I think, are not full day, there are webinars yep. um, on specific topics. One is the road to Fortuna, which is probably talking about like, you know, Confusion 2023 and the alpha or the beta or something like that. That happens on November 23rd. And then there is one in December, shortly before the holidays, actually quite close to the holidays, building native mobile applications with Adobe Cold Fusion and Monaco IO. Um, and both are run by Mark Takak. Takata. Yeah. Yep, always a mouthful. But uh, but yeah, so Mark is doing uh, both of those. And if you want to see the full list, you can look at the meetus.adobeevents.coldfusion. Oh, sorry, .com slash coldfusion. And that there is a, a good little list. They do seem to be mixing that list with uh, the online CF Summit, which we'll talk about in the conference section shortly. So if you guys... Uh, if you guys look, there might be a couple of sessions listed there versus the the other part. Um, but yeah, so it's it's one of those things where where they, they try and post them up there. Um, I think Charlie's one is on that list, and there's another one on that list that should be in the online CF meetup. Anyway, long story short, uh, that little link is good to keep an eye on what's coming up. And then we've got a whole bunch of CF cast updates, like new content. So one is the Coldbox Masterclass that is publicly and free available for everyone. We talked about that before. There is the um, craft, Software Craftsmanship Book Club, um, the first session that we talked about that as well. And then there are um, 2022 Forgebox Module of the Week and VS Code Hint, Tip and Trick of the Week. Uh, and both of them had one new video recently. Yep, and then of course we're still working on um, a bunch of new series. We got the Box of Fine Third Party Library from me. Uh, Eric's going to be working on his Cobox Elixir series, and then uh, Daniel Garcia is working on getting started with Content Box. And then of course we have more of those Forgebox and VS Code podcast snippets that we release every week. And then we have the ITB videos for for those who are not ITB ticket holders. If you're a subscriber to uh, CFCast, you'll be able to get all the ITB. ITB videos very soon. So we're going to be releasing those in December as a little uh, 12 days of ITB Christmas. So we'll be doing that uh, very soon. ITB Christmas. Ooh. 
Okay. Yeah, we like the 12 days of Christmas. So yeah, we're bringing them out. And so we'll probably do a couple of videos, you know, related videos. So on one day you'll get some of the testing stuff and other day, maybe you get the JavaScript framework pieces or stuff like that. So we're releasing the videos. So that's just something we like to do that way you got stuff to watch over the Christmas break. So, so they up CFcast. If you guys want to check that out again, lots of great content some free, some paid, um, best CF training videos out there, I think. Okay. Conferences and training. So now let's talk about CF summit online. So as we mentioned, this is the online version of Adobe CF summit because we couldn't record in Vegas due to some new laws and regulations, which would have made it ridiculously priced. So, Basically, what that means is now you get an online conference. So those sessions are going to be recorded over the next few months. And you can see a blog post on it, which I'll be sharing here. But also you can see that uh, there's uh, quite a few sessions already scheduled. And they're going to basically try and get everybody to present online. So what's the first couple we have, Kai? Sorry. Did you write us about so the, to grab a drink? Yeah, I was. It's fine. <laughs> so the first one I've got on the list is how the Adobe CF Docker images have evolved from Charlie Arad. Uh, that's this week, actually. That tomorrow. is tomorrow, isn't it? Sixteenth. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and there is like an event registration link to um, join that one. And the second one is a sneak peek into Confusion Builder on VS Code from Nikhil Dubey. Um, that's on Friday, if I'm not wrong, November the eighteenth. And then there are like two more next week and the week after next. Yep, so we got Devin Tattestall talking about Fusion Reactor. We got Brad Wood on the 30th talking about RabbitMQ. And there's many more scheduled in December and January. And then all the speakers are trying to block out their time. So we'll have a lot more. I just shared the link and I'll share my screen real quick to, to show you the screen because we have uh, the schedule here on the little website. So if you look down here, the schedule's a little out of order. So it's in the order for the most part. So you'll see Nichols coming up on the 18th and David's. Brad's and we got David Byers on the 1st of December. Then you got Brian on the 12th and then Mark Takata. So he's actually doing that one on the 22nd. I think it was said the 23rd on the other list, but then you got Daniel Garcia in January and then Charlie Earhart. See, that's tomorrow. So that's out of order. And then Ray Camden's on the 7th. So looks like they just got to put those in the right order, but uh, a lot of cool stuff there. So a lot of content and more coming. So you'll be very busy with all that stuff. We'll try and update as we hear more. But something else then, happening today, right? Yeah, then we get into more conferences. There is Deploy from DigitalOcean happening now, pretty much today and tomorrow. And they call it the Virtual Conference for Global Builders. So like complexity, at developer happiness, join us on the mission to simplify the developer experience. Um, DigitalOcean is a hosting company, essentially. They do like um, quite good hosting offerings for everything from like little droplets to run a mini application to big virtual server farms, more or less. Yeah. Play on a similar league like um, Linode. That's kind of another company that's doing a similar thing. I've never been to a virtual or a real event from them, but I mean, the product's kind of nice that they offer. So I would assume there's something interesting in the conference, probably, if you're into this kind of thing. Yep, and it's free, and it's a lot of great content. They they have a lot of good offerings. The app platform is pretty neat too, so you can just basically deploy a, uh, an app or a Docker container to the app platform, and we play with that a little bit. It's got some cool features for sure. Um, but yeah, we just always like the fact that it's not as complex, and that's what one of the things is subtract complexity, because AWS you can configure everything, which means 
you're sort of overwhelmed with configuration options. So DigitalOcean keeps it to what you really minimally need and does the job really well. It has a lot of options yeah. for what you want to add service-wise, but not too many crazy configurations. And so that's why uh, we're using them all the solutions. We host a lot of stuff on DigitalOcean. They're a great platform. So we definitely like their stuff. So go check it out. I'm not saying that the other ones aren't you know necessary or great for their needs. And we use AWS for certain things and certain clients, but... But it really depends on your requirements. I mean, you know, like everything from private hosting to big clouds, small droplet hosting, whatever you want to do. I mean, if it fits your requirements and your needs, you should go with that. I mean, there's no right or wrong. Yep. I mean, uh, maybe there's a wrong if you run your server under your desk. That you know, <laughs> your closet. Let's that. not talk about these cases. But you know, <laughs> apart from that. <laughs> Uh, that reminds me of the thing I saw on Twitter where somebody unplugged a, a, a Mac Mini in the closet one day, apparently, and that, that was the VPN that had everybody from the the Office HQ connecting to uh, the Twitter servers or something Ooh, <laughs> 10 years ago yeah. or something. And so <laughs> Stuff like that can happen yep. if you host things in your office. <laughs> yep. Well, we have Into the Box of Tam coming up December 7th in 2022. So we'll be speaking uh, down in... The Hayek Centric down in uh, uh, San Salvador, El Salvador. And there's going to be, I believe, some English sessions, a lot of Spanish sessions, and maybe even a Portuguese one as well. Uh, and that's going to be split up into a couple of tracks. They're going to be doing some normal sessions as well as sort of more of a deep dive workshops. And so it's a great place to get started. And the great thing is, is in El Salvador, they don't have all the stigma with cold fusion. And so they're happy to see something more productive and efficient than just straight Java, like a lot of them are learning from school so that's really interesting right like when you when you break into like one of these more emerging markets where that bad connotation is not there that's kind of yeah i find it really interesting to to watch yeah i mean and i know that luis has already been to like two or three conferences in spain and malaga um it was at the .NET one this week is already so he's trying to get out grassroots and and just really reach mm. out and spread the word yeah so we also have Vue.js Amsterdam 2023, right? Yes. So that happens in February in, I guess, where Amsterdam, Theater <laughs> Amsterdam. I don't know what exactly that venue is, but I guess it's kind of well known over there. It's a very big view conference, world's most special and largest view conference. There's a call for papers available now uh, on a Google form, and there is blind tickets available. I'm not quite sure what blind tickets are. I like this honest. term. So blind tickets is you're buying before you know who's speaking, what workshops ah, or anything, because you're ah, buying okay. it blind. You're, yeah, you're yeah. blindly buying, knowing that it's going to be a great conference before you know what's actually going to be there. So. so it's kind of an early, 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 super early, very early, not knowing what's going to happen early bird. Yeah, exactly. And so I okay. think we should name some of the IT tickets there because some of the times we have early bird before you know. And so it's like usually our super as well. But yeah. DevNexus is also going to be in uh, Atlanta, uh, April 4th through the 6th. And uh, their call for papers ended last night. I got a couple of sessions in last minute, but we should have that uh, that going on live uh, in April, I believe. I'm curious if we'll get anybody else from the Otis team. Brad and Luis have spoken there before and on different things, so it'd be kind of cool. But it's a great conference. They've got like 10 different tracks. They've got a lot of different things on security, software uh, design, DevOps, Agile, uh, you name it, they have it. They've got front-end JavaScript and web stuff too, so lots of cool stuff. Then we have another Vue.js conference in May, Vue.js Live. I'm not quite sure if the dates are correct. May 5th 
and eighth. <laughs> I know it throws of, everybody. Yeah, it's kind of it's, weird, is it but... is it around the weekend? Like one conference day is Friday, the other one is Monday. That's kind of a bit of a weird choice. But anyway, thirty-five speakers, ten workshops, lots of people joining online globally. Um, they say ten thousand plus plus and three hundred luckies meeting in London. So I guess they're selling three hundred on-site tickets. So they changed the dates to May twelfth and fifteenth. So I keep forgetting to update that that there which which doesn't solve the mystery like why no. is why are there two days in between <laughs> yeah so i'm wondering if i get down here to the the sessions or if they'll maybe have like the black uh, no i think it'd be something maybe the workshops i'll uh, see the may 12th is in person and may 15th is remote there you go ah okay yeah so cool. basically they'll have a repeat on the 12th, on the 15th, probably with some of this stuff. So interesting, but remote with full ticket, remote full ticket with uh, multi-pass. So interesting. Oh, you can do remote participation on the 12th and the 15th. Hmm. Interesting. If, if we have to look at it and try to figure out how it works, it's too complicated. Too complicated. <laughs> it's, it's too, it's clearly too hard then. Yeah, for sure. Nope, I, I get you. And so the next one up um, is Into the Box 2023, the 10th edition. And we mentioned it's May 17th through 19th, 2023. And we have the call for speakers now available. We'll be updating the website with sponsors and everything as we get closer. But um, just know that it's going to be a big one. It's going to be lots of fun. And then uh, CF Camp, uh, none for 2022. But finally, we have some news, right? In case yeah. you missed it. <laughs> In case you missed it like 20 minutes ago, CF Camp 2023 happens 22nd and 23rd of June. And there will be other events on the days before CF Camp. Um, same venue, Freising in Bavaria in Germany. Quite close to the airport. Lovely, pittoresque little Bavarian city with old houses to look at and other stuff to do in Bavaria in Germany. So make sure you come. I'm not quite sure what like it's on like Donkey Kong means, Gavin, that you put into the show notes. <laughs> it's on like but Donkey Kong. It's, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a catchphrase <laughs> from a movie that, hey, I'm like, you, you like your uh, Switch and stuff, right? And I have Donkey Kong on there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll just leave it with that. So there are more conferences if people, you know, are, if that wasn't enough on confs.tech and we have that link in the show now that's a huge list of conference for almost any language and community you can think about yep i actually found another one yesterday i should probably share it um it was basically a link from people who are wanting to submit to conferences but it actually has a ton a ton 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 of them so i'm going to share it's just a github repo but um, mm. I just put that in the show notes as well. So yeah. I saw that yesterday. So many. There are some some GitHub links like that around. There is, or there used to be one specifically for Android and mobile conferences, for example, as well. And I mean, the other thing, if people generally enjoy conferences and want to present at conferences, if you go to those sites like Papercall.io or Sessionize.com, where call for papers are hosted regularly, they quite often have a list of all the conferences that host call for papers on their platforms as well. Mm -hmm. So you can go through those lists and you say like, oh, I find this conference interesting and I find maybe this location interesting. I'll try to pitch a talk to them. You know, that is something that a lot of people do as well. Yeah, and we did like using uh, 
some of those systems, but we got so much spam. And it wasn't people that were just like, they just conference spammers. I mean, they're just sending out 3 million, you know, talks to try and get someone. They wouldn't respond to our questions as well, or, you know, stuff like that. And so, yeah, that is unfortunately a side effect of that. And you find that particularly from my experience with like tech pre-sales people, because one of their KPIs is like, you know, have to present at 12 conferences per year or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they just submit to almost everything and, you know, try to get in somewhere. Yeah. So, but yeah, we did like, like there's a lot of cool tools in it, but it was hard. That's probably why we went back to the Google form. So, but okay. So next up we have some blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And first up we have a tweet. I'll share my screen. You want to talk about it a little bit? I don't know if you saw this one yet or not. I haven't seen the tweet, but I know a few things about the topic. So Brett talked about queries on queries. Once again, speed optimization. So query on queries on Lucy used to be a bit problematic in terms of performance, um, because some things were essentially, depending on how your query was built, some things would essentially run single threaded or synchronized or in some weird, super slow way. So a few almost want to say years ago, two years ago or so, Brad made a lot of improvements to query of queries uh, in Lucy, and that got taken into the product um, eventually. So that queries of queries on Lucy is now actually faster than Adobe Cold Fusion. And apparently he's done some work uh, yesterday on the 14th, yep. building a proof of concept to improve it further with parallel streams, and it looks to be 60 to 70% faster across the board. That is really cool. And he's looking for someone who's potentially interested to help sponsor the work so that this could become part of Lucy and gets cleaned up and gets kind of like, you know, built as a proper feature instead of a proof of concept. Yeah. And so you can see here, uh, those who are watching, the the graph looks kind of crazy for Adobe. Uh, when you Adobe 2021, when you start doing the parallel stream. So the red line is the synchronous, the blue line is the synchronous, and the yellow line is Adobe. And so there's obviously some something going wrong in there somewhere. Um, apparently he says he thinks Adobe's recompiling the Java expression for the light clauses like every single time, but Lucy's caching them. And so that's why it looks kind mm-hmm. of crazy. So there's some, you know, the spikes make me think weird things for sure. But yeah, so I mean, it's just kind I, of cool. Yeah, I I personally, I'm not a fan of query of queries. I mean, I see why some people who live heavily in this query metaphor like it, um, particularly when you have like a lot of a long history with like, you know, Cold Fusion as a platform or Lucy as a platform. What I find myself doing more these days is like run a query, get an array back and then use you know, array or struct filter functions mm-hmm. or map and reduce on the data set to do other stuff with it, essentially. Yeah, someone actually, um, one of the audit channels was asking about that the other day. They had a query and they wanted to, wanted to do a query, query. They wanted to know the best way to do it. And like, it's an array, just do a yeah. filter and there you go, done. You know, like you can do a reduce if you want to know what, because they're trying to get like a row number back from it or something. I'm like, yeah, you just do a reduce and you get the index out and away you're done. You know, like, and, and I actually found out that because the JavaScript has a find, a ray.find, and you can actually pass in a closure. And so recently ColdFusion added that too. The documentation on it is a little bare, shall we say, but I found out, oh, well, you can do that. I just don't know if you can pass, if you get all, if you get the item as well as 
the index back or not from the, the closure. I have to look and see, but yeah. but yeah, basically once you have the data, I mean, array stuff is that's basically what the query query is sort of doing. You know, having to map on some SQL syntax on top of it doesn't really help you, pers- you know, really. So exactly, and like at the end of the day, particularly if we work on an API that's usually what you want to get out of it anyway like you know a structure of arrays and struct in some way basically to get json out of it or something like that but what i find is it requires a significant mind shift in people you know like when when people are used to writing queries and then tweaking the data with another query of query or a series of query of queries or you know running queries of queries in a loop or some stuff like that and they look initially at like code using fi- using filters or MapReduce and stuff like that on data structures, it, you get like quite often this like, why is it so complicated? But it's not, you know, it's just a different approach to solving yeah. the same problem that can be much easier transported into other technologies as well, because query of queries really is kind of a relict of the early days of confusion, isn't it? I mean, yeah. from my I point mean, of view at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just, how to do things back then and a query made sense. If you had a yeah. query and you wanted to put two queries together, you join them or something. But again, it's like, once you have an array object, you know, like that makes way more sense just to do that. Especially if you can use some of the, uh, you know, Luis's um, sort of stream stuff. Cause yeah, you can do parallel streams and everything and process the items independently of each other, especially if they're just like, you know, doing some type of conversion or construction on it you just loop through them. So, but anyway, I'll let you guys check that out. Uh, but I think it's nice to have some optimizations for it because sometimes writing a query makes makes a little bit of sense, but some depending on what you're trying to do. Because obviously, some people don't even know how to write queries. You know, we, we forget about that in ColdFusion that in other languages, people don't get access to the database. You know, they just... Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of JavaScript right. and people are like, what's SQL? Uh, we don't write SQL. We just use the. I see uh, that in in the Android and mobile dev community quite a lot as well. It's like, oh, just use a SQLite database on your device, and everyone is like, how do I do that? How do I get data in there? And I'm like, yeah, use SQL. <laughs> it's like it's not it's not a given that people know that. Yeah, they use they use uh, query builders for most things now. Yeah, you know, they use ORMs and stuff, and I'm like, oh, really? I never thought about using an ORM in JavaScript because of you know, I always get the data from somewhere else. But yeah. Okay, we also had a blog post from uh, Ben Adele talking about using um, fallback avatars because he's been on the little um, thing about using gravitas. So he did some work proxying them um, through Cold Fusion to get better header types and everything else. And so on this one here, um, he wants to sort of do the defaults. So installs a, a font, Robo Mono. And then um, basically he draws text centered onto a Cold Fusion image. So in this one here, a lot of you guys have probably seen them if you log on to Google and you don't have an image, uh, they'll spit out an image, you know, a circle or a square that has the letters in the middle, your initials or whatnot. So basically that's what Ben's doing. So it's uh, generating an image, putting the text centered in the middle of it and using see if content to spit it out. So it's kind of a mm-hmm. cool little, a little thing. And then of course, there are other options. Um, ben says he uses when he uses email, so he needs to do it on the server side. Uh, James Moberg had a couple of recommendations for some JavaScript libraries, so I'm going to try and add those in because um, I think it was from Twitter. So I'll try and add those in for you guys. Cool. Then we've got um, two blog posts from Auto Solutions. One is from Lewis himself um, about the call for speakers 
for the um, into the box 2023 again we talked about that before there is a link um, in the show notes and make sure you submit one or a few talks or suggestions for talks and the other blog post from orders was about the software craftsmanship book club um, which we also mentioned before explaining what it is and um, you know what the purpose is and how you can join essentially yep and the tldr is become a patron and then you can join the live sessions yep for sure and so we tried to make them uh, more friendly to your time zones as well so we got them at 12 noon um, pacific so that way kai doesn't have to get up super early to, to join in with those um, on a Saturday morning, seven yeah, o'clock still. Saturday morning, yeah, no, exactly. so. <laughs> so if it's if it's worthwhile, he might get up. So maybe coding in the Kiwi can get up again. Uh, but yeah, for coding with the Kiwi, I definitely will get up. Okay, so maybe we'll have to do that. Well, we also have um, a blog post from Brian Riley, and he was at a CF Summit talking about security, which is pretty cool. Uh, he was talking about uh, Cold Fusion, XXE, and other XML attacks. So this is a this is first of what became a few blog posts based on a CF Summit 2022 talk. Um, so talking about the the security bulletin released in October. So we talked about a little bit the Cold Fusion XML security options and everything. And so he explains what is XXE, um, which you know we need to learn this stuff. <laughs> um, but real examples. And this is a mirror. Ooh, so he actually used mirror to talk about it. Interesting. And then you know. XML processing and not as many people do XML anymore, but um, I don't know in the Java world is XML still being used quite a lot as people all moving over to, to JSON guy. What do you think? Yeah, I would not agree with people not using XML anymore. I think that's kind of the wrong way to look at it. It's just like a data format that has pros and cons. I mean, if you look at like, I don't know, let's say web services, you know, like WSDL based web services, that's all XML, for example, lots of data exchange formats are XML because there is an established way to attach schemas to XML to define to to define data definition uh, data structures, where there is a lot of tooling around. And I mean, as while you can do some of these things with with JSON, JSON schemas are quite weak, really, I find compared to yeah. what you can do with like XML and XSD and all these kind of technologies. So I think XML has its place. Um, yeah. But like everything, you need to find the right use case for it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. I, I guess people, I don't know if they've noticed it or not, but if you open up like a docx or an XLSX or a PPTX, you know, they're all XML files underneath the yeah. hood. And, you know, a lot of them, yeah, a lot of things are hiding XML inside of them. But most people, when you say XML these days, they think XML and SOAP. But not everyone uses them, and you still can be using XML. But yeah, so it's a good blog post to, to check on uh, and definitely understanding more of that. You know, even if we're not actively using them, sometimes you might be surprised where the XML is hiding. So we also had the, a tweet from Brad. And so this one I think was pretty interesting because he finally fixed the upgrade flow in Command Box. And yeah, so, that is cool. And so I like that. Yeah, we're chit chatting a little bit. I'll share my screen so you guys can see because I think there's a few comments after it as well. But he finally improved the upgrade flow in Command Box so he can download the new jars and swap them out on the next restart. 
And so this is kind of how like Lucy does it with Lex file. If there's a Lex file in a certain folder, when it starts up, it'll basically take that, move it, load it. And this is basically, you know, what he's doing now. So uh, before you had to like download the new jars and, you know, basically, you know, put them in a different spot. So we couldn't do an upgrade per se. You'd have to like download a new version. So it just makes it easier now. So it's kind of cool. And uh, yeah, so a lot of people singing praises to Brad. Pretty cool. So... Nice to see. Go Brad. Well done, Brad. Yep. Go Brad. Good job. Um, yeah. So that wraps up our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. But we have the find a job section. Yeah. So there are several positions available on getcfmljobs.com. Um, it has currently over 30 confusion positions from 21 companies across 18 locations in five countries. Um, so there's one new job that popped up there this week, a contract developer in Toronto, Ontario in Canada um, that apparently came online yesterday. And I just had a quick look at the job description and I can't really make out exactly what that is. I think they do need Cold Fusion developer, but you also should have some other skills like Java, Python, uh, Arc GIS and SAS. So oh, wow. it's not purely a confusion job. Yeah, let me share my screen. That is a pretty big one here. Diverse Links is the company, and this job description is definitely diverse. <laughs> so. Yeah, when I when I saw the company name, I was like, that's kind of an interesting name. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see, IT diploma or degree in cold fusion. It's got the space in it, which is interesting. Yeah, so. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that um, that must be kind of the recruiter getting something wrong. So I'm pretty sure they want an IT diploma or a degree. And then you also need to know Confusion. That's, it's yeah. probably meant to be a separate bullet point. Yeah, ArcGIS, a lot of times the GIS software I've found in Confusion. That's actually one of the first things I did with Confusion when I moved to the US was work on the GIS tool because it was all Confusion. Really? Yeah, which was pretty interesting. Okay, so. We also have um, our special Patreon-sponsored job announcements from tomorrow's, tomorrow's Guides. We gave you a rundown at the start of the show, so we'll give a brief rundown here. But Tomorrow's Guides is a fast-paced leader in the UK care sector. And they've got a team of over 20 individuals in the UK working remotely to expand and improve their offering. And they're looking on trying to add a few people, a ColdFusion 2021 um, well, sorry, they're a shop that uses ColdFusion 2021, Node.js, React, and the user cloud, and they use MSQL and MongoDB. Um, but yeah, they're looking for a couple of roles, and we'll share the link for those roles. And you want to tell us a little bit about the positions real quick? Yeah, the senior CF developer is um, remote in the UK, um, permanent job, 60K GBP salary band. Um, at least three years experience with ColdFusion or CFML, I assume, um, database design, normalization, and ability to write understand complex queries with SQL Server. Uh, they should know Git, which I guess is almost like a given these days and should have a flexible skill set covering a wide range of development. Um, yep, and they got an automation. Approaches. Yep, an automation test engineer as well for UK only remote permanent, uh, circa uh, 40K pounds roughly uh, minimum three is experience with automated testing experience with automated testing tools as selenium and api testing tools like postman fiddler etc yeah and both roles um, have a whole bunch of other benefits like a company bonus scheme of four thousand 
pound 25 days and your leave plus the famous bank holidays if you have missed that discussion go back to the beginning of the podcast um, a six percent employer pension contribution access to free perks and discounts through perk box long service awards which is probably something like you know long service leave and stuff like that a cycle to work scheme that is kind of cool um, and a company and teams night out program well, the funny thing is, it's like it's a remote job, but they got cycled to work. <laughs> so, well, I would, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but you know, a lot of remote companies give you the option to, I don't know, pay for a desk in a co-working space, for example. Yeah. Or maybe they have an office where some people, you know, can choose to to attend, and then they can participate in that cycle to work scheme. It's it's regardless a good thing because we need less cars. And we need more people to cycle. Yeah, so. and more more fitness is good too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's a cool thing, and yeah, I like the idea of having a remote job with the on-site option. And we go on-site with clients all the time. We definitely got a, a big win out of that. But it's nice to have the remote perks as well. We have some other jobs as well. Auto Solutions is looking um, for a US developer, so you guys can check that out on the Auto Solutions website. And then Nolan from Selfish Esther is also looking for a part-time CFML developer, and he blogged that earlier last week and so we'll share that link as well yeah. and i can totally vouch for nolan if you want to work with someone really good and really cool you should have a look at that yep okay so next up we have our forgebox module of the week and since kai is here i thought why not talk no. about the <laughs> you can't you can't make make my release from yesterday the forgebox module of the week that's kind of like almost nepotism or whatever you call it <laughs> no i just thought I maybe mean, you could tell us a little bit more about it maybe why you like working with raygun tell us a little bit about you know the company because raygun for cfml uh, obviously it's a provider for logbox right it is in the new version that I'm currently working on, yes. Um, okay. So like I said earlier, like Raygun is a crash reporting tool, or it started as a crash reporting tool. And Raygun is a New Zealand company um, founded here in Wellington by some people I know quite well. And so I got became an early user of their platform when they started in 2013 or something like that, 2012, 2013. Um, and wrote Raygun for CFML because I needed it and it wasn't there. <laughs> and then I kind of started continuing to maintain that. And I use it as a crash reporting tool because it is really nice as it supports many different technologies. And there are like data providing libraries from all sorts of different, you know, languages and tech. So CFML and Java and Kotlin and like, you know, for Android, for iOS, for JavaScript, for React specifically, for Flutter, for all sorts of things. So you can feed all your crashes and your crash reports and issue reports into the same system. And then you get kind of a unified view of, hey, there's something going on on the server, for example, and I've got a spike in these types of crashes. And at the same time, I see there's an issue in the iOS client, right? And I can actually correlate this data. And that's kind of really, really useful to a lot of the work I do, essentially. And Raygun for CFML is kind of my hobby project, like just open source and done on my own in my own time, or sometimes funded by clients uh, of mine who I do CFML work for, and they need a certain feature or integration to go into Raygun, into the Raygun provider. But I have, and I should actually disclose that, I have a commercial relationship with them as well because I do paid work for them on the Android and Flutter providers for, for, for the Raygun product. 
that's that's all good so yeah so just another option out there you know there's a lot of tools out there and so raygun uh, obviously kiwi company is kind of cool and uh yeah they have a a good offering so if you guys are looking for a different provider there are a few out there but raygun sounds like a great one um yeah so go check that one out and the link is in the show notes and then next up we have our VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. And so since we had Kai on, I thought, let's ask you for one of your hints and tips. So this one you said you just got yesterday or just recently? Yeah, I just needed to find and use that yesterday. So I had a bunch of code that was all over the place with tabs and spaces, historically, because it was like 10 years old files. And I know probably 20 people have worked on that. And um, so the problem was normally in a project, you should have something like an editor config file. For the people who don't know what editor config is, it's a almost a standard for IDEs and editors. It's a little dot file dot editor config, and you know tools like Visual Studio Code and Sublime and IntelliJ and VI and all sorts of things support editor config. And in that editor config file, you can define, I want all you know spaces to be tabs, or I want four characters indentation for CFML files, but only two for JS files and seven for whatever other exotic language. I want that for a reason. So you set up kind of how editors should treat your files. But what editor config doesn't do in most cases is it doesn't retrospectively fix your files. So I had this whole code base of files and it's like, oh no, this is so painful. See, I didn't so know I found... that. I thought it did. That's why I was so confused. Because on save, it does have some options to do things. But yeah, yeah, I I tried that in Visual Studio, and it fixes it for where I make changes. Mm. But all the untouched areas in a file, it doesn't fix them. At least not in editor config. And what you should actually also say is probably not every IDE supports all editor config features. Mm. So it might well be that in certain IDEs it does that. So, but sure. anyway, I mean, yesterday I was so frustrated. I thought like, I need to get these files all into spaces because it annoys me to, to no end. So I found these plugins called Untabify and Tabify, if you want to do that. And essentially what it does is you install it into Visual Code, a Visual Studio Code, and then you do like Control T, Control U, and you say like, okay, I want every tab replaced with four spaces and it does the whole, it cleans up the whole file for you. You save it and you're done essentially. Very and that's cool. kind of um, useful. You can do the other way around where you go from spaces to tabs. I have to admit, I don't know many people who do that because most code bases seems to be done, seem to be done with spaces these days. But I mean, there's a probably use case for that as well. Yeah. I think we're, we use tabs. We use the editor config though to change it. And you know, will your VS code sitting, you know, what you can do is when you open it, if you like tabs, it can convert the spaces to tabs. But when you save it, it puts it back in the spaces format. So Kai doesn't get mad when Gavin opens his file. <laughs> and when I'm looking at it, it's all tabs because I like to be able to go move from, you know, three three arrow keys to move from the front of the line to the, the code or three control, you know, spaces or whatever. So control movements, because I like that. I like tabs for that reason, but it doesn't mean I can't save it, you know? So the thing is, yeah. I understand that the Unicode stuff with spaces is better for a lot of different things. There's a lot of pros about that, but doesn't mean that when I'm working in my IDE, 
I can't use tabs because I like using tabs for that reason. So, but like, so I don't like I said, I think there's a pros and cons for both and having the tools to handle it should be the best way. You know, like your idea should be able to open spaces, convert it to tabs. And when you save it, you can put it back in the format that Kai wants it. So, you know, not, but, not just me. Don't make this about me. Gavin. No, I, I'm just trying to make it relatable, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is <laughs> okay. there, there's a lot of reasons for that spaces make sense, but it's usually for, you know, for my side of it is usually, Tabs are more developer friendly when you're actually editing it, but spaces are better for readability and other things and, you know, screen readers and other stuff like that. So, anyway. yeah, that's fair enough. So, but yeah, that looks pretty cool. So, uh, untabify, and then we get, we also uh, will send the link out for editor config, which we've actually done in the previous recommendations. Um, but yeah, I always wonder though, how good some of these are, because sometimes when I open things up, I feel like I've got three different things fighting sometimes for like tabs versus spaces versus linters versus other stuff. And <laughs> I really wish they would play nice because that's... Yeah, before, I, before I found Untabify, I tried to do it with CF format and get that kind of, you know, fixed that way. But then I realized that doesn't seem to have support for exactly that feature that it can rewrite all the tabs into spaces or vice mm. versa. And I found some other, and the, the problem was also, it was like tag-based CFML code. Yeah. And I found sometimes CFM, a CF format has some quirks around uh, tag-based CFML code. So it didn't go that well. And then, yeah, Untabify came to the rescue, essentially. Yeah. And Scott says he just likes to intermingle them just to spice things up. Yeah, you would do that, Scott. <laughs> uh-huh. Tab, space-based tab. Yeah. Uh, that's why we don't let Scott in the, the repos anymore. But uh, <laughs> no, but thanks again for that recommendation, Kai. It's always good to have new hints and tips. So next up, we want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Yeah, these individuals are supporting our open source initiatives um, to ensure the great tooling like Commandbox and Forgebox and Codebox and Contextbox and all the other boxes out there. Um, there is a need to for them to get continuous development and fund cloud infrastructure and you know like get support feedback monetary or in money or unmonetary by contributions to these libraries and platforms and the best way to do that is you can become a patreon on patreon.com auto solutions there are multiple packages and annual memberships um, that Gavin is probably going to explain soon and some of them give you actual perks on top of just being a Patreon. Yep. So um, we have annual memberships. You can save 10% when you do an annual. But yeah, the bronze package isn't up. Now get a Forgebox Pro and CFCast subscription as a perk for the Patreon subscription. So that's a, a cool little perk there for sure. Um, you do get those profile badges on the community website. Uh, you also get your private forum access on the uh, community website as well. And we also have a private uh, channel on the Box Team Slack. And also by doing that, um, you'll actually get some live stream access. So we have streams that, that I run coding with a Kiwi and friends like me and Kai. Um, and 
we'll have those. Uh, those are usually going to be the fourth Friday of the month. And then we have the Autist Software Craftsmanship Book Club, which we're doing on the second Friday of the month. And those are Patreon only. So become a Patreon member and you can join those two live streams. And then, of course, the community.autosolutions.com is where we share information with our Patreons and those private access forums uh, exist and those little badges. So highly recommend checking that out. But we have a new Patreon this week. So Tia, don't have a last name, but Tia, thank you for being the newest Patreon. And since your first time on the podcast hosting, you get to mispronounce all of our lovely patrons today, Kai. So good luck. Oh, I don't have to read all the names, do I? Yep. Sorry. Until the end of the year, we're reading all of them. And next year, we're going to have to cut it down and uh, we'll maybe only do the, the top couple of tiers. But take a deep okay, breath. Okay. I'll give that a, I'll give that a try. Uh, let's start with John Wilson, Synaptrix, Tomorrow's Guides, who we heard some job advertisement from, John Clark, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Carr, Jeffrey McGee, Dean Monda, Nolan Erg, Wilde Brun, and Abdul Rahim. Then we have Don Bellamy, Joseph Lamourie, um, Jonathan Parrott, Jan Yannick, Laxma Tertohadi, Brian Dinelli, uh, Carl von Stetten, Jeremy Adams, Didier Lesnicki, Matthew Clemente, Scott Steinberg. He is sponsoring this as Agri Tracking Services. Okay, like Agri Tracking Systems. Cool. Um, Daniel Garcia, Ben Nadell, Richard Herbert, Brett Dillon, myself, Charlie Erhard, uh, Jason Dagger, Sean Oden, Ross Phillips, Matthew Darby, Edgardo Cabezas. Patrick Flynn, Stephanie Monji, Kevin Wright, John Wish, Peter Amiri, Kavan Vaniche, John Nessim, and Tia. Yeah, so thanks, everybody. Uh, good job, Kai. Didn't do too badly in that. Thank you. That's a, definitely a, a lot to get through. But uh, you can see an up-to-date list on our sponsors on the Auto Solutions website, and we spotlight a few of them as uh, all-stars. But if you go to autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash sponsors, you can see them all there. And uh, it's been a pretty big episode. So thank you, Kai, for joining us. And uh, great news. We're happy to say that we're we're finally able to go back to CF Camp. So that's awesome. Thanks for having me. That was great. And yeah, thanks for allowing us to do this announcement here. That was cool. Yeah, no, no problem. Like Autos uh, loves CF Camp. We've always tried to support the, the conference and us going to Europe. We're actually officially in Europe now. Uh, Luis signed the documents last week, so we're officially a European company. And so, uh, yeah, we're definitely excited to, to get in and do more in, in Europe. And that a big part of that is helping support CF Camp and, and making sure that's a big success. So yeah, we're really excited there. And I'm excited because hopefully me and the wife can uh, come visit. So, <laughs> so that'll be really cool. So thanks yep. everybody for joining us. And uh, yeah, it was great having you, Kai. And yeah. Great for being here. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. We'll have to have you on uh, Coding with the Kiwi again soon. And everybody have a great week. And don't forget, June 22nd, 23rd, uh, start planning trip to Europe. <laughs> Get your passports ready, people. Yeah, exactly. Have a good one, everybody. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.